Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. So, Nick... What is something that only 28% of Americans know, but affects every single one of us? Something that if it didn't affect me personally, I would have never come across. The Right to Repair. Now, the Right to Repair Act has been going around for decades at this point of deciding what a person or third party can or cannot do to property that they already own, whether it be fix the brakes on a dually, or change the battery on your cell phone. One is legal to do, the other is not. And hopefully that will all change with the Right to Repair Act. We are going to be discussing how big companies are lobbying against the Right to Repair Act, how small people are trying to fight it, and how it affects everyone from you and me with our cell phones to farmers out in the middle of Nebraska. It ranges a large field of industries ranging from medical devices, cars, farmers, electronics, it just the list keeps going on. And big companies such as Don Deere, Apple, AT&T have all tried to fight against it and are continuing to fight against it. And currently it's only at a state level. States decide whether they have the right to repair act or not. But luckily it is spreading like storm. And hopefully through this podcast, we'll bring some more facts, bring up some interesting points, and discuss possibilities about the Right to Repair Act. So Nick, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Here we're going to sit in your side of the world today with technology and machinery. Yeah, this is is one that uh, affects me pretty immediately, and it, I'm not going to lie, makes me uh, pretty mad that I'm not allowed to fix certain things or just simply not allowed to have the tools to fix certain things. For as long as civilization has been trading goods, you've always had the right to repair, tinker, improve upon the product that you bought and you own. But somewhere along the way, we lost that. And it wasn't until recent. I mean, going back to the 60s, where when you bought a TV, they would literally give you a schematic and diagrams to repair the device if something broke and all of a sudden the manuals the schematics the diagrams they all disappeared and they don't want you to repair your own stuff anymore hell from a personal standpoint that's what my grandpa did after the war he became a tv uh, sorry a tv repairman he would go to rich people's homes take their tvs and repair them He was the first person on his block to own a color television. And funny enough, it wasn't just one. He owned 13. That's because the rich people didn't want to repair it. So either they called him or they just gave it to him. And he would repair it and sell it. And it wasn't the ability to read the diagrams and repair himself. He couldn't put food on the kids' tables. And so it it is close to home for me about this. Not quite sure if it's uh, affected you the same level as me, Nick, or... Do you have any personal experiences in such a category? No, uh, not nothing that close to home. I know the only reason thing I have, it kind of touches on it's not exactly right to repair, 
I got a new Tacoma and some rats chewed through a wire and I was caught either not wanting to void the warranty because it's still under 30000 and repair it myself. The part cost $120, so I could install it for free or I could pay a third party to install it for $200, including the cost of the part, or pay the dealership $490, conveniently $10 under the deductible on my insurance. And I didn't want to avoid the warranty in case something else happened, so I had to pay the dealership an extra 300 or yeah, 380 dollars in addition to the cost of the part for their half hour of time to repair it. And so it's not exactly a right to repair issue entirely, but I understand being caught between the dealer and wanting to do the work yourself as someone who could do the work themselves. It's kind of a pain to have to pay just a ridiculous cost. I bet that one definitely hurt your wallet. And to give a synopsis of what the Right to Repair Act is, individuals and small companies across the United States, and we'll talk about in the European Union and the world, have come together trying to allow the individual or third party, so a for an example, we all know local car shops that aren't the dealerships that we bought our car from. Without the Right to Repair Act, that wouldn't be possible. You'd have to go to the dealership of your car's make and model. You wouldn't be able to go to Joe's, Joe's repair shop down the block and get a better deal because he's your cousin, you know someone, etc., etc. And it wasn't until very recently, like, and I mean recently, the early 21st century, that third-party dealerships didn't have the option to do that. They didn't have the tools. They didn't have the equipment. They didn't have any access to work on these vehicles. But through legislation, they were able to do it. So pretty much the Right to Repair Act is trying to allow individuals and third-party members to work on their property in a knowledgeable way to repair it themselves, which straight off the bat, I'm going to say, I am all for. Yeah, one thing I thought was interesting about this industry or this topic is I have never seen farmers and environmentalists on the same side of an issue until now. Oh, it is amazing how many people are coming together or just how many businesses that are forming to help spread the word of the Right Tree Pair Act. I want to give out a huge, huge shout out to iFixit and companies like them. iFixit is a company that they give people the knowledge and sell them the tools to repair their own devices. So if something breaks, they're mostly known for cell phones, laptops, a lot of Apple products. If something breaks, they can help you figure out what the problem is and you can fix it yourself. And when companies like to change the screws where it's a specialized screw head that does not exist in common stores, they help you solve that problem by selling you the right screwdriver at a cheap price, or they help fight legislation that allows the common people to have a common screwdriver to repair their device. And funny enough with iFixit, they had an app on the Apple Store on how to repair an Apple product, and Apple took it down. That That is dirty, and it is definitely something we'll get talking about more but staying on the technology side 
big companies such like Apple, AT&T, Microsoft, uh, all over the course of the board seem universally trying to make sure third party and individuals don't get involved in repairing their products, even though the products were already sold, which is very concerning to me. How, what's your opinion? How do you feel about those big companies trying to deny access to people? Well, deny is a very subjugated word and I'm, uh, I don't want to mislead you, Nick. How, what is your opinion on companies trying to fight the Right to Repair Act? So it seems like they're doing it out of a couple different ways. My favorite was uh, when an Apple representative said that we didn't want to violate your privacy and let a third party, you know, person look at all your data, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny coming from Apple. <laughs> that That is hypocritical if I ever heard one. Yeah, that's the pot calling the kettle black right there. <laughs> I do understand, occasion, like, yeah, I'm sure there's some patent issues where you don't want other people knowing that technology putting it out there so i can see it from that side but all they had to do is buy the device to look at it anyway if they really wanted to know they were going to do that so i don't really know how stopping the diagram from getting out is going to stop people from stealing technology yes um i from an engineer standpoint if i want to reverse engineer it i don't need your diagram i just need the device i'll just go up go to an apple store buy i, I don't want to just pick on apple because apple is not the only one doing it go to a cell phone store pick up a cell phone buy their cell phone and with a few devices i can completely reverse engineer that device and you think that software is protected it's it can be hacked if yeah if i'm trying to reverse engineer it i can reverse engineer it it's not that's not a problem especially for competitions to do it that's not an issue so but i also see the point of protecting the inventor the company that makes it i that's a gray area for me but from what i read coming across researching this it's a lot of bs it seems like they're just trying to protect their own behinds and increase the dollar market which i i'm a bit disgusted about because yes as a company you should want to to make as much money as possible, want to succeed, want to be a successful company. But at the same time, you got to do it. But at the end of the day, you got to look yourself in the mirror. If you can't do that, you're, do, you're in the wrong company. And it is like, I would love to see how well that Apple representative slept after saying that, that they don't want third party members getting your data when companies like Apple and Microsoft and Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, have a history of storing and selling your data so that to me was a hypocritical point but going back to the hackers because that was the main argument i saw with technology was the hackers was well two main points the hackers and protecting intellectual property we'll get to intellectual property later in the podcast but right now i want to talk about hackers because nick brought up about reverse engineering and able to solve what the cell phone is without the diagrams hackers thinking that allowing the diagrams and source code to the public would allow more hackers and cheaters to evolve yes and no so with say playstation or xbox because this also affects console games not just computers and cell phones the for a short span there'd be an increase of hackers maybe we'll go conservatively and say three months 
Well, those three months will hugely improve their product because it shows all the flaws. It it makes the software pretty much open source so people can improve upon it. And going back to the history books, improving, tinkering, it's in human nature. And I don't think hackers and cheaters will stop that or hurt a company. It might make their IT department a little bit more busier for a while, but at the end of the day, I think having all those errors and holes exposed will allow the company to make a much better product, which I think all consumers want is the best product. Would you be okay with that, Nick? Taking three months of dealing with harassment, well, not harassment, dealing with problems that would arise with, say, your cell phone. But at the end of the day, after those three months, have a much better product. Are you implying that there's not problems when a new software update is released? Oh, God, don't even get me started on Apple's Air 53. I was talking more video game consoles, but also Apple as well. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the reason why I brought up the 53 Air from Apple is because it wasn't until recently they apologized for it and tried to, quote-unquote, make amends. When the an update came out and they recognized third-party equipment and hardware in their cell phones, they p- just shut off the cell phone. Like, the cell phone would never work again, pretty much. It just, it just they thought that the cell phone was, quote-unquote, jailbroke, and they just locked it down. And I can't imagine how frustrating that is that something you own, something you pay... People are paying a thousand plus for cell phones, which we were talking about before the podcast. People are paying a thousand plus for a cell phone, and you're telling me if I put in a new battery for it from a different company, it's going to stop working altogether. That that is not right. That is not moral. And a uh, little uh, asterisk for all you listening: I am very passionate about the Right to Repair Act as an engineer, and it is extremely extremely frustrating so i might come at this a little bit biased just want to let everyone know out there while we're talking on amends uh, from tech companies do you think we'll ever uh, get an amend from microsoft for the red ring of death on the 360 or so that i'm you could not have brought that up at a much better time so that's how I actually i got into the right to repair act was the red ring of death so For those who don't know or might not remember, in the early two, when did when did three sixty come out? Two thousand ten ish. Sure, we'll go we'll go somewhere around that area. But uh, in during the Xbox three sixty time, some Xbox three sixties had a bad heat sink and they couldn't conduct the heat out of the Xbox three sixty too well. And when they did that, most most xbox 360s it happened to me three times (laughs) oh my god please tell me you didn't buy a new 360 every time no uh we tried to fix one we shot one and we got a used ones after the first one broke oh jesus mary and joseph so that's how i actually made some extra cash when i was in was that middle school or high school uh was fixing people's red rings of death so what it was was an inferior part that couldn't convey the heat out of the system high enough so it overheated the system and caused the error sign that's why it would occasionally work sometimes occasionally not because the connection wasn't good 
If I had to guess, looking back at it now, I imagine it's a thermal paste, but that's getting a little off topic. But I bought the tool set. It was like 15 bucks on some, I think it was like eBay, and I could open up the 360s without damaging them. And figuring out that, oh, I just need to add a heat sink, which I didn't know what a heat sink was, but I figured out if I could add some pennies to it, it would draw the heat away because uh, copper being a good conductive, and it would fit. It would fix it, and that's how I made some extra cash as a kid. And it's a how I kind of got into the right to repair act. If it wasn't for some videos online and having access to the tools, I wouldn't be able to fix those three sixties. Not only would I not gain knowledge of how to fix something, but I wouldn't gain the knowledge of why something broke in the first place. And Lord knows how much money I saved because as a kid, getting a new console system was a big deal, an expensive deal, even even by today's standards if you have a full-time job. Nick, how happy would you have been if you just had a 360 that did not overheat and didn't break and get the red ring of death? I don't know. Why couldn't we have met earlier? You could have saved two Xboxes from being one being shot and another being thrown off the balcony. <laughs> see people it pays to be a loner and a nerd you can fix equipment and then and then people want you to fix their stuff i think it's a good time to bring up the point we brought up but didn't touch on it we talked about how this is bringing a lot of different people together like we talked about how i've destroyed two xboxes because the red ring of death this is a waste issue and that's why the environmentalists are behind it you know everyone complains that we don't repair anything we just throw it away it's because it's illegal to repair some of these things so what are you going to do? There's no one who can do it. Not everyone has the time to learn how to fix everything. And if you can't take it to a third party, I live in a small town in Oregon. I don't even know if we have an Apple dealer here who can repair all that stuff. Not everyone's going to drive two hours to the city to get it repaired. So what do you do? You just have to buy a new one. I'm so happy you brought up that point. It's as the environment gets more polluted from just humans being humans of throwing plastic into landfills. Having the same equipment that you just need to change out a couple parts once in a while to last you years longer than it's supposed to is so much beneficial, not just to the consumer, but to the environment, like Nick said. Nick, you keep hitting the nail on the head on each podcast, but it, this one's just bringing everyone together of environmentalists, farmers, mechanics, electronics, nerds. Like We're all coming together for this topic because... Not, you can't just always recycle a product. Sometimes recycling products are difficult. And sometimes there's illegal recycling, which we might discuss in a future podcast. Uh, but having upkeep and able to just reuse something and not just have it go to a landfill or recycling fill helps the environment so greatly. And it kind of it helps people learn them, on themselves. Like... I fix this, it makes this product a little bit more closer to me. I understand it. I know what goes into it. I And I, I worked on it. it. It means a little bit more to me. I Nick, I imagine you of all people can relate to working on something and making a little connected to it because you worked on it. It's part of you. Yeah, you know, I enjoy working on things and fixing them. Not that I'm to any degree a mechanic or good at pretty much anything but uh yeah it definitely brings a more personal emotion to that whatever it is but i think that's a thing that everyone keeps talking about that the society's lost is that 
we uh we don't repair our things we just throw everything out well we weren't the ones who said uh you can't repair that and i know a lot of people are repairing their own things but i a, a lot of what i heard is this boils down to it seems uh one of the fights that these companies are using is a very urban versus rural division you know, these arguments are happening somewhere far away from us and a lot of it is well just like take it into a repair shop we have thousands of repair shops around you but out here where in a more rural setting where people have been repairing things and are repairing things we don't have that opportunity so you get more of that repair now that's more along the tractor lines not as much of the technology wise i know a f one farmer who will wear uh ah, not wear use older equipment because it's easier to work on it's cheaper as well but i think it's kind of two of those things so by making it like we're talking about harder to work on all this stuff or needing the tools and now i get you know we'll talk about the software and all that later but for the actual needing special tools to do all this stuff if it doesn't specifically need special tools you're just making it harder for average people and you're making more waste and even if you are pro you know we're gonna plant a tree for every product you purchase and yet you sit here and make it impossible for people to repair and not throw their equipment in a landfill so your actions have to follow your words at some point oh yeah i i want to bring up a, a point you said in there nick that i think is very important to talk about is some states just don't have the same stores that other states do uh for example when researching this topic i came across a man who has his own small business pretty much runs it off his cell phone but because he didn't have his provider's store uh, or repair store in his state, it would take five to ten business days to get it back. And it turned out it was just a loose connection that if he opened it up and plugged it back in, it would have been fixed. And I that's why I want that's why in the beginning I wanted to big give a big shout out to companies like iFixit, where the internet is such a powerful tool. And if you have the ability to look up to see what's wrong with it troubleshoot it and fix it yourself why why shouldn't you be able to do it when you spend something money some good money on a product that you own you should have the right to fix something you own to me that just makes common sense now we'll talk about it later in the in the podcast about the gray area of protecting patents and uh, so, uh source software etc cetera, etc cetera. but since you brought it up nick do you want to talk about the issue farmers are having in the midwest rural areas and all across the united states with for example tractors and not be able to repair their tractors well i'll kind of preface this by saying that uh at least for, for the logging industry a lot of the equipment is older because that's that's the stuff that was built to last and it kind of seems the same way for farming i know a lot of farmers are going to use a lot of older equipment but that newer equipment, which is nice and it's pretty, it, uh, you know, you pretty much, you need a John, you need a technician of whatever company, I don't want to single out any companies, to work on it. Now, that comes from a lot of different ways. I know my buddy, his, his brother, he went to a school just to become a John Deere technician. A lot of that is software that goes into it that John Deere, the dealerships have to pay for every year a, a decent amount of money 
feel allowed to use to allowed to work on that equipment. But at the same time, you know, you got to think about these rural communities. You got to think, okay, this is how many mechanics they have throughout the year. I don't really think they step it up for harvest season and bring in a lot more technicians when they need it. So it kind of depends. There's a very finite window where you need your equipment to run. And if it doesn't run, you need that mechanic there. But if he's at someone else's, then he's not there. And it has to be that equipment certified mechanic for the most part, unless it's an older piece of equipment, then you can have a third party work on it. But I think if we were able to open it up to third parties, if if they're able to pay for the tools and equipment from the dealership or from the manufacturer of the equipment and go out and do the repairs, then you're having less idle time and you're getting that equipment back in the field faster. That's kind of how I see it. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? I think what you just said is all facts, just complete sense of... When I was researching this, I came across a farmer and he was having software issues. Now, some of you might not be familiar, but lots of tractors have like GPS and sensors on them. It's so that they can do row after row after row and stay straight and make sure they're optimal and they don't run into stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But if there's a computer code error like he had, he would have to load it up on a truck, bring it to the dealership, unload it. They fix it, which was something he ended up be able to do with a laptop and some black market software, which we'll discuss in a bit, and bring it back. If he brought it to the dealership and brought it back, minimum it would have cost him $2,000 just for loading up the tractor. Now, if you're a struggling farmer... Or not not just a farmer. If you're str- if you're a small business trying to get off the ground, or if you're an individual working paycheck to paycheck, every dollar matters. And you're telling me that something I could have done, which he did do, in a matter of like 10, 15 minutes for free, I would have had to pay two grand plus to four to fix. That that just seems like a bunch of uh, a bunch of bullshit. If you if, uh, if you don't mind me saying on that. But sticking with on the tractors, they a big common theme for the tractors was they don't want people to hurt themselves and emissions. Now, with there is some there they do have some points there. Some farmers and mechanics were illegally modifying their tractors, not just from a company standpoint of their product, but as a federal point of like emissions. Some people were, I guess the best example is like overclocking their tractors or simply just removing their emissions, or not removing their emissions, removing the emission process from the tractors. And it becomes dangerous at that point because some tractors can only handle so much horsepower and removing it, like removing a governor on your car, can be dangerous, make it overheat, may catch a fire, may make parts break. And to that point... I can see where a company's coming from of, hey, you can't modify our equipment. But if it's their equipment, it's their choice. They can do what they want with it. And maybe in my mind, a little compromise would be if you modify your product that you bought, it voids the warranty. To me, it's not great, but I can see it. That makes sense to me. What's your opinion on that nick yeah i think that's good policy you know of waiting until wait until the warranty is done to modify it i think most people can probably do that 
I think if you buy it, you should be able to modify it. But at the same token, if you do something dumb with it, like remove restrictions or something like that, that amp it up for horsepower that the rest of the tractor is designed to handle and it breaks, that's your fault. You know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That's the way it goes. <laughs> that should be the rule that replaces right to repair. You know, if you're going to do something stupid with it, make it modify it to outside of what the dealer says it can handle and it breaks, then they shouldn't they shouldn't have to fix that. And that should be your problem. Like you said, you bought it, it's yours. So I, I think that that's, you know... If you wanted to do that, that's fine, but you got to be willing to take those risks of doing that. You know, I, I understand on the emission sides, you know, even chainsaws come with emission brakes now, and you can't adjust your low idle, and you have to take it to a dealer, and it seems like I waste more emissions just trying to get this freaking thing to work, and more fluids and all this stuff, and then end up having to throw out these parts, then you save from just burning a little dirtier you know it's just a it can go either way with some of these laws i think that's they don't examine the second and tertiary effects from it but yeah i i get where these farmers are coming from i i get where these farmers are coming from i get where these environmental coming from i get where these tech shots are coming from i get where these dealerships and 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 car repair shops are coming from i i think everyone kind of agrees like hey it's our stuff let us do what we want with our stuff now, don't get me wrong. I do have some asterisks. One being, uh, like Nate brought up, a certified, quote-unquote, uh, repairman. Some things you need to be certified. Like, to me, an electrician. Not everyone should be able to do everything electrical-wise in their home without being certified. Some things you need certifications for, which I agree with. But, like, changing a battery in a cell phone or changing a belt on a tractor or updating your your software it it just doesn't make sense to me that you're not allowed to do that yeah if the government will trust you enough to let you train or change the brakes on your car that you're going to drive on the highway at speeds of 65 plus and then stop they should trust you to change the battery on your cell phone which will impact you and you alone yeah you you are preaching to the choir my friend that May, like you have a two-ton vehicle moving 65 miles per hour or a lithium ba battery yeah the lithium battery could blow up but there's so many redundancies now that that's so hard to do like you can stab a lot of lithium don't do this people at home listening but there are lithium batteries that you can stab that won't explode on you like a lot of those problems got solved but if someone's, we've all seen them on the highway, someone not taking care of their vehicle, a piece of junk that's duct taped together in five different colors, and you know not everything's up to code with that. But they're allowed to do whatever they want to repair that. And I think you should, but you have to be within the law. But going back is a tricky situation of what should be the law and what shouldn't be the law. But before we get too far away with it, I want to... A, talk about this topic more, but I want to go back and talk about the black market because the highest I saw the black market for was for technology such as uh, electrical devices, uh, farmer equipment, and medical equipment. And we'll talk to medical equipment later, but I want to stick with on the farmers especially. What did you, did you come across anything for the black market for farmers? No, no, not really. I'm uh, interested to hear what you have to say though. So as I mentioned earlier, a lot of the, 
the tractors and harvesters and farm equipment have software. Well, you, as some companies don't allow you to have that software or the equipment to read the software and have the access codes or even the error codes to know what's wrong with it. So to fight this back, there's a lot of farmers and agriculture people going to illegal markets to get the software. They're going to Russian websites, Eastern European websites, Chinese websites, Indian websites. They're going to other countries to get the same software to do something simple like, hey, this, uh, this sensor on this side is loose. You need to fix it. This is what that error code means. And it's growing, which is scary to think about. Love. We need to go to other countries or illegal source of means to figure out how to repair something that we own. And I know recently it's changed for cell phones and technologies uh, that you can go and Google something, find the schematic, stuff like that. But there's still so much hidden away. And people have gotten legal trouble for showing people how to repair something. And I want to figure out what your opinion is, Nick, on even though these farmers and repair people and individuals are doing a wrong, it seems like they're doing wrong for the right reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, are you talking about like chipping an engine? No, I'm not just talking about chip, chip an engine. I'm also I'm well. You can't talk about that. Okay, that would work. Well, we'll we'll leave that for later. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I am uh, slightly curious. I'd like to get rid of a tire pressure sensor fault on uh, one of my vehicles. So we'll, I'll hit you up later about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I look China and Russia. There are best friends and they would never do anything to hurt us um so i don't know why we're should be freaked out about going to them for help to get answers to solve our problems you know how how much do you have to drink to able to say that without laughing <laughs> a decent amount okay just making sure because god damn like i even i was i had to move away from the mic to laugh yeah no it's 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 pretty messed up but we uh what are you gonna do i'm just glad that you know, everyone always talks about our generation, not to quote the who, but um, talking about how we don't repair anything. And really, it's uh, it's because no one wants us to. It's because they're, they're making it impossible to. And I know a lot of people and they're all very handy. And it's, you know, YouTube is basically the way to figure stuff out. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'd love to figure out how to change this battery on this iPhone 5. Probably make my life a lot easier. Oh, absolutely. And as you point out, Nick, it's it's hard to repair something when your hands are tied behind your back. And that's what a lot of this legislation is doing, of not allowing people to repair their own products. And I want to do a uh, uh, little research—something uh, I researched and came across was, according to a survey from Waveform, granted, the sample size that they did the survey on was only 1,000 people plus-ish. I think it was like 1,100 but only 28% of people said they've heard of the Right to Repair Act. 55% said they've never heard of it. And 74.5% said they, they, that they would support it. 55% of the people, I mean, if it didn't affect me directly, I imagine I wouldn't have heard of it. But don't know that you can't repair, you legally can't repair some things. Which, hold on. Are you saying that big technology that controls all of our access to information is purposely hiding something from us for their benefit? <laughs> I I like a good conspiracy theory, but 
It's, it, I think it might just be, I, I just think everyone, it, all the big companies are kind of going hush-hush on it because they're scared of it. But when, say, say those numbers, we scaled those up to the American people, the, the whole 350 million plus-ish population. And say those numbers dropped a little bit. Say it was only, instead of the 74.5% that they would support it, say it was only the 60% of it. That's still majority of the United States people that support it. And this is a country for the people, by the people. And people want to work. People want to work with their hands, learn new skills, fix things. They want to do it themselves. I guess what we're just, hell, what I'm just asking for is give us the opportunity. Stop saying it's our fault when you can't let us do it. You're, these big companies are just standing in the way. Now, some of their points I understand of trying to protect their patents, et cetera, et cetera, but there's a better way of than just saying no and we're going to make it impossible for you to do it and a possible legal action against you if you do it. It's, it's ridiculous to me. It's People want to work. They want to repair. Let them do it. It's, it doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. And going back to the black market, uh, I know some big companies, like usually tech companies with their laptops and computers and cell phones, are making custom screws that the average person or third party can't do. So it created a whole new market of companies selling those screwdrivers to fix it now granted yeah you could say it's new business but a lot of that is coming is being flown in and it's not a domestic product but also it's only used for that one item it just doesn't make sense to me it seems like they're playing dirty and i i just don't like it like going back to another personal experience of mine is i've always worked with my hands growing up and I have a uh, angle grinder that through years and years of hard work, one of the gears finally broke on it. And luckily enough, it was Makita. And uh, Makita, if you're listening, I am a Makita man. Most of my garage is blue with Makita tools. Uh, my dad was one and I was one. But luckily with Makita, they give you, you can go on their website and find the diagrams and the tool and like, you don't need tools to fix it. It's usually very very common tools that you already have in your house like a phillips screwdriver or a flathead and i was able to repair my angle grinder which i was needing to use for a project and that's how it should be i ordered a new part and i'm not sure if it was through makita website or a third party but they told me what i figured out what gear it was what was the tooth ratio ordered a new one and fixed it within 30 minutes and if i had to buy a whole new angle grinder that had been what three hundred bucks. It it like going back to your truck, Nick, with the I can't imagine how frustrated you were where you had to spend an extra three hundred odd dollars to have your truck fixed something you could have done on a Saturday with a cold one and on your lawn. Yeah, but they trap you because as soon as you do that yourself and they find out, and I'm sure there's something that'll help them find out. Then if something bad happens, I I'd have to pay for it myself. And I wasn't ready to fork over some more money to them. But yeah, I just, you know, I was stuck. I couldn't do anything. So I was like, I had to hand over that money. But I did get them back because there was a guy in there who was at the dealership. And this is a just a public announcement here. If you need work done, 
go to a third party. Please don't go to a dealership. Do you know how much they charge this guy for, uh, I think he was just getting, uh, his window, his, um, all his, like, fluids filled and, uh, changing out his, what is it, a battery check? They charged him for the battery check, which I thought was crazy, because anywhere else do it for free, any, like, O'Reilly's or AutoZone or place like that, and then wiper blades. So he was just getting, like, I think it was, uh, oil change, no, no other fluid besides his windshield wipers and his blades. It was, they quoted him a hundred dollars. Jesus, like that's about twenty dollars worth of, or I guess I don't know. He might fifty dollars worth of materials, maybe at the most. It's probably twenty dollars for an oil change, and no, yeah. I mean, you gotta have if you're gonna have some expensive oil that's that ex- like up with the windshield wipers that expensive. That's ridiculous. And even though anyway, I told the guy um, go to. Go to Moe's Super Lube in town. Oil change is like 20 bucks, And they'll do your wipers there too. And O'Reilly's or AutoZone will test your battery for free. So they they got $300 out of me, but they lost $100 out of that guy. So they actually still won. I don't know why I'm telling the story. <laughs> small, small, hey, small victories. They, uh, they, they won the war. But just out of curiosity, it's a little off topic. Is this the truck with the vegetable oil? For the outline of the wires yeah that's the one okay okay that was a interesting choice from the uh the company to do that but uh <laughs> going back to the right to repair act just how many great inventions how how much humanity has progressed because people took a pre-existing device tinkered with it messed around with it improved it fixed it figured out how it worked, how many devices in history have been made because of improvements or working on another device? And that's what we need. We need more innovation. We need more creativity. We need people to think more, to do more. And I think this legislation of not allowing people to repair things, again, is tying people's hands. It's stunting creativity. It's stunting growth. It's destructing businesses. It's destructing you know people's lives like some people need their car and for their work and stuff like that now i'm lucky enough my car broke down i could take an uber for a few weeks until my car got fixed but some people are living paycheck to paycheck and it could have been something as like i don't know your condenser on your truck uh, broke well if you had if you were forced to take that to a shop you might not be able to afford it but if you you can afford the part and maybe spend one day after work might be a long day, but get it done and get it fixed and up and running. That just one saves you a lot of money where you can help grow your business. You could help put food on the table. You can help get yourself out of debt. And also it it's just the right thing to do. If you can do it, do it. You, you, should, you should trust no one's hands, but the ones at your own risk, at the end of your own risk. And I, I think that's just so true. Yeah. And, I mean, we live in the day of access to pretty much any technology, any information you want. If you can type, you can type in your make and model on YouTube and what you're doing, and I, you'll get at least two to three different videos of it. Oh, you, <laughs> you are being very, very uh, conservative with that number. There's probably th- thousands at this point. But kind of bring something you said, Nick, and something all together is it's a bit of technology, it's a bit of vehicles, it's a bit of ingenuity and improvement. 
and I'm talking about electric hot rods. Now, as electric vehicles become more and more prominent, and that might be an interesting conversation to do a podcast on, Nick, about electrical vehicles, but people out in California, Texas, East Coast, West Coast, all across the country are taking electrical vehicles that were quote-unquote totaled, even though they're not totaled, the company just doesn't want to deal with the warranty, the issue, the risk, et cetera, et cetera. And they're putting them in old 1950s, 1940s vehicles and making electric hot rods out of them. And I implore you all people to go and look at those because one, they are beautiful to look at. Two, they're zero emission because now they're electrical. And three, they're so much faster and better performing because of it. And if they couldn't work, or I think some of them are actually illegal and you're not allowed to have those because it voids a bunch of warranties and doesn't make it a real vehicle. But without those, we wouldn't get those innovations. And I don't know if you've ever seen a uh, electric hot rod, Nick. I'm familiar. And I, yeah, I, I, I know the topic that you're talking about. And yeah, it is crazy. All these all this pieces all these pieces of equipment that are illegal to work on and would just be thrown out thrown in a landfill or whatever and the supposedly right thing to do is just get rid of them when we could turn them into a like you said a hot rod i mean it seems like a a no-brainer from any standpoint i mean you're still you're still gonna make money out of them yeah i and Going back a bit to the farmers, speaking about making money on it, uh, I know for, I keep going back to GPS signals because I've worked with GPS, so when researching it, it I was familiar with it so I could understand the topic a little bit better. But the amount of updates that would come out. So we all know this, uh, when a new phone comes out with a new update or a new phone comes out, your phone's a little bit slower, doesn't work as well, et cetera, et cetera. But for some farm equipment, they just make that equipment completely obsolete. So when I was researching this, I came across a farmer who had a older GPS module that wanted to implement on his tractor. But because the company no longer supported it, had no more equipment for it, and he can't take it to a third party, he just, it was junk. It was just going to collect us and probably end up in a landfill. Even though it was still fully operational, still could work, just he didn't have the tools to allow himself to let it work. And that's extremely frustrating. Just A, not allowing people to have parts, but also B, not allowing people to have the tools. It it doesn't quite make sense to me. Yeah. Well, I think this is kind of um, hard, like we talked about, this whole thing started in cars and now it's progressed to a bunch of different ones. Like we talked about earlier, everyone's familiar with the onboard diagnosis program that your car has basically your check engine light and everyone's had a check engine light. They've gone, plugged it into a computer that's told them what it is. Well, the first initial run of that onboard diagnostics program, every single manufacturer was different. And so you need a different tool to plug into every single different car. Eventually, the government said, enough is enough. We're going to have one tool so everyone can work on the other cars. And agriculture should probably have something similar. I would think that, you know, one GPS program or one program can work on all the different 
pieces of equipment out there similar to the way cars work that's kind of the way i saw that software problem oh same or just make the software free where you can download the program off their website i i get that i think the problem is so like even this is brought up by a a friend of mine even the dealers have to pay for the license to use that software so they would still have to pay for that software i guess in some form or another um but it would be well i know for some go ahead I was going to say they have to pay for it in some way or another. Like, if you if you demand that the product is free, then the company is just not going to make it. It's part of the problem. So that's not going to it's not going to pencil out. See, I know some companies that the you pay for the product, but the software is free. And to me, that sort of makes sense because you need both to operate it. All right now, so. so Maybe make the initial product a little bit higher in price to balance it off the to balance off the software, or have, or I guess let the market have at it and let third parties compete to work on that software. Like you said, kind of make it a little bit more universal, so a third party could come in, and it might not be as efficient, or it might not be as beautiful, or hell, it could even be better than the company's products ones, but. It, you got to, at some point, let the people work. And I think having the software or the diagrams is important. So if you need, as you brought up a good point, if you need to make money off the software, maybe increase the money off of the product. Because I know for some cell phones, what it actually takes to make that cell phone is it's it's a quarter if that the price of what they actually sell it at, like if they sell a cell phone at nine hundred dollars, it may only cost them one hundred and fifty to make, and that's including manufacturing, assembly, shipping, labeling, the whole nine yards. And it's it's very interesting to think about. So going back, yeah, another. But so just as I was researching this right to repair, I came across a, the phone. It's called a Fairphone, and it's a phone that. It's supposed to be like a phone for life where you can, you pay a certain price now, whatever it is, you can choose your option. So if you want a good camera, you can have a good camera. You want a good battery, you can do that. But everything's interchangeable. So you can take everything out of your phone and change it later. It's it's supposed to be, is their, their goal is to have a phone that is ecologically sustainable as well as will last you for life. So say the software is old it updates automatically or the battery's dying you can just get a new battery you don't have to replace the whole phone so there are people out there trying to do that but i think for farming yeah i think that'd be great where you could have a third party software take that over i think it's important to think about the fact that you're i i personally don't think the machinery that's coming out today is going to last as long as stuff did in the past i i know it's not uncommon for at least in the logging industry and a, a few places in the farming industry, for people to have machinery made in the 70s, okay? It's 2020. That's 50 years old. I don't know how you're supposed to recoup that cost for software continually updated. At that point, it'd probably be obsolete. But And there's a huge market for those machines without that software, and maybe that's a whole other thing that's going to pop up. Um, but yeah, I think they need some way to change that software that gps 
I mean, with row crops, GPS is so important, being super accurate down to the to the inch, because it could throw everything off. This this might be a dumb idea. I'm just throwing a random idea out there. But let's say when a new software or new equipment comes out, which is gonna make the old one obsolete, they at that point make the ops the ones they say that they no longer fix or work on. They release the software for free for that. And if, if you want the newer one, you have to pay for it. So as one disappears to the wayside, they allow people to do whatever they want. Like, like uh, say uh, Tractor A was made in 2016. But in 2020, there's a brand new tractor coming out that can do all these new equipment. So they're going to stop supporting the software and parts for the 2006 model. At that point, maybe it's a good compromise that all those parts, all those schematics, all that software is just it's free and it's up for grabs because they're no longer supporting it. So why does it matter? It, it might be a dumb idea. I was just throwing an idea out there. Yeah, I think that's that's a great idea because what that does is it increases, you know, it enhances a relationship between that machine owner and your dealer. It says, yeah, we're, you know, we're not supporting that anymore. However, we're going to let anyone be able to handle it so that we don't want your machine to become obsolete just because we're not working on the, on the software anymore. So I, I think that's a good idea. And I think that's not an idea that needs to be legislated, but that would be encouraged for dealers to do. And that way it would push them to increase, you know, that, that'd be a viable option. Say like track, like you said, say company A does that, company B doesn't. Well, if you know they're going to do that, and you know you're going to have that tractor for a long time, why would you buy that tractor that the company isn't going to release that, that isn't going to let third parties work on it and try and bring it up to speed? I mean, if you're going to invest in the long term, you're going to invest in the company that's going to put that information out there and let people use it. If you're just some you know, commercial farm with thousands of acres is going to use the tractor for a few years and sell it, then yeah, maybe that tractor B might be the option. But if you're you know, a, a farming family a dynasty that's going to be using that for a while then it makes sense to invest in the tractor that's going to be there for the long term even if the support from the dealership isn't there you're going to have third-party software that's going to be able to upgrade it throughout the years i just i just loved all those points that we just built upon and i yeah I, to me that just makes sense make it a competition like hey this company supports you now, granted, there's still a company that's still trying to make money, but they're not going to leave you uh, hung up and to dry out. They're not going to try to milk you out of every dollar. They're going to try to come up. Yeah, they're not. They're not electronic arts. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're so. I'm thinking maybe we discuss a little bit on the medical side, and that might lead a good transition into the legality side and the gray area of patent laws, et cetera, et cetera, because. As we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, it's not just farmers, it's not just tech, it's not just cars, it's also heavily affecting the medical industry, especially during this time of COVID when people just can't go out and do repairs as easily as they once could because of face masks, social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. And to relate it home to everyone, at some point of your life, most likely those listening, you've had to call a repairman of, hey, my fridge isn't working air conditioning isn't working, outlet isn't working, et cetera, et cetera. And we all know they never 
and I shouldn't say never, they rarely show up on time. It's a very large window. And during COVID, that window has gotten even larger of they might show up, they may not show up. And when it comes to medical devices, people's lives are on the line. So I'm going to ask you, Nick, did you uh, come across anything when researching for uh, the Right to Repair Act of anything about medical devices? Yeah, you know, I came across similar to other industries where it's you have to have a certified technician to work on your medical devices. And I, I understand where they're coming from, like most of the other places. However, one of the things I came across is that, say, farmers say farmers like yeah like i should be able to repair my equipment but i don't know about the people in tech or the people in tech they'll say i don't i don't know about farmers but i know enough about my equipment to repair it and i kind of think that it should be kind of an all or nothing deal you know even when it comes to you know medical equipment i think especially right now in covid technicians are going to go where there's the most work because that's, you know, that's where the money is. Money moves everything. That's the bigger cities. I live out here in an area with not a lot of people. We don't have that many ventilators to repair. It doesn't make sense for our hospital to have a full-time ventilator repairman. You know, a lot of the stuff I came across is specifically ventilator-related since, you know, it's 2020. And I think that, yeah, it makes sense. I, you know, everyone would rather have a certified technician work in their equipment. But it also makes sense that things happen. Like, life happens. We live in a tsunami zone. This whole county is tsunami zone. We have bad, you know, we've had windstorms and ice storms and snowstorms that knock out the highway. You know, for a while this winter, it would take, it took three days for crews to saw through the highway to be able to access the inland. We're isolated out here. We don't have the opportunity of having all these repairmans and technicians lying around. So I don't know what good it does us to just have to rely on someone else. And I get that these are complicated pieces of machinery. Like, I get that. But at some point, maybe, maybe not, maybe maybe it'll never happen. But people need to be able to repair their equipment. They need to know how it works. And if you can't get a technician, you need to be able to know how it works. And it would really help everyone... If those diagrams were available for everyone to see, because you never know when something happens, a disaster happens, and you're going to need it. And you might not, say, say there was a tsunami here, and it knocked out our internet and power. The backup generators run at the hospital. And the company is like, oh, we need to give you the schematics for this so you can repair it. Well, guess what? How are you going to get it to us? We think it's going to take three days before we can clear an airfield to land. They could drop it off, yeah. Are you going to drop off schematics in a helicopter? No, just give it to us now. So in case of in case something bad happens, we have it. Like I think in the medical field, the focus should be on saving lives, or maybe I missed something. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> no, that would make too much sense. Uh, speaking of respirators, I came across this story. Uh, I believe it was Tasmania or maybe some a a different African country where the company that they use for their medical devices is American-based. But, surprise, surprise, there's no certified technicians in that country that they operate in in Africa. So, legally, they're supposed to have someone from America fly over to the fix their equipment. Come on. That's 
that's ridiculous. That is so stupid. Just let them fix their own equipment. And guess what? They they do. It's not. I mean, might as well give them the tools so it's done right, especially when lives are on the line in the medical field. And uh, just a little small side story. I'm happy you brought up generators because when I was also researching this, I came across a article about the U.S. military where military personnel are getting frustrated because they had a generator that would constantly keep breaking and they weren't allowed to fix it even though they knew how to fix it because the U.S. military had deals and contracts with the supplier of that generator. So you're telling me, Nick, a person in the hospital who's saving lives that needs their equipment or a military personnel who may need that equipment to save their lives or all the lives of others can't repair it or quote-unquote isn't legally allowed to repair it that that's just bullshit no i it's, i it just hurts my head to think i if you just let them fix it even something like you nick like i think you brought up a good point of you're kind of isolated and most of the country of the united states is isolated like it's a lot of small towns a lot there's there are big cities but People are all spread out throughout the United States. It's not fair. It's not fair that someone who has a respirator breakdown in Oregon has to wait three days in order to get the schematics just to fix it. Or a farmer in the middle of Nebraska may have to send his cell phone and mail it five to ten days to get it fixed repair because there's no repair shop in his, in his state. It's just doesn't make sense to me especially when it's something that could be easily fixed now i understand if something's complicated and you don't know how to do it don't do it but if it's something like hey you need to change this fuse hey the uh the magnet for the pull start on the generator is a little loose you just, need, you just need to reset it so it'll spark do it i don't understand how that's a legality issue just let them do it i i, I might be talking out of turn it might be a little crazy but i think people just need i think people should just have the responsibility to fix what they want and that they not what they want but what they own and if you own it and even if it's not technically yours but the hospitals or the militaries if your life depends on it or someone else's life depends on it fuck it get it done i i i don't care about that legality if someone's life's depending on it save the person's life that it nick am i just am i just talking crazy here or is there some logic to what I'm saying or talking about? No, from what I read, it was is frustrating. It was very much these companies lobbying and saying things that are very. I hate to use the word. They piss me off. Like, piss me off because these people don't understand what it's like to live not in a city. They don't. These companies, they're like, oh yeah, you just there's a bunch of people who are open 24 hours to do this and would just have one of these people at your hospital. You have to pay them this amount. It's like, okay, first off, we don't have one of those shops, much less a 24-hour shop. Everything here is done by 9 if it's a restaurant. If it's not, it's done by 7. Like, things don't stay open all the time. That's not the way it works out here. Not that I don't want... I don't want it to stay open all the time anyway. But what I'm saying is, they don't understand the way of life out here. They don't understand that we can't have a technician there like that. They don't understand we don't have the money for all of our hospitals to have 
technicians whose sole job it is to stand around and wait for this piece of equipment to break because they have the piece of paper that says they can repair it when it may be as like you said a simple fix as changing a fuse or a loose connection one of the things i came across is that a lot of these pieces of equipment that got broken out it's just something simple like that like it is a loose connection or a fuse that blew something like that that any idiot could change <laughs> idiots like me and you nick but it's to, like you said it's it's heavily i think affecting the rural parts of america but i live in a city and it affects me in the city like it might not be medical equipment but going back a little bit to the technology and cell phones like i have to order a custom tool to open this up to fix something which would technically be illegal or not have the ability to or the knowledge to because all that knowledge on how to fix something is closed off. Now, I understand this might be a good turning point of some of the legality. Yes, if you, I choose to open up and fix it myself, to me, that should void the warranty. To me, that should be like, it's my, I'm taking responsibility of the fixing of it and it's, Whatever happens is up to is my fault or not my fault. Like yeah, like we mentioned earlier, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You gotta you gotta know what you're doing. If your supplier has an agreement like that, where if you void the warranty by working on it, and you work on it, don't expect them to repair it. You know you gotta you gotta take accountability for your actions. Yes, I completely agree. And and I, if I had to say one thing to big companies, it would be don't shut down and try to ruin people's lives for trying to share information on how to fix their product that may have been a error on their side like i like going back to the 360s it was just a heating problem and if it wasn't for the internet i wouldn't have came across that and be able to solve it if you take away that knowledge you knowledge is such a powerful tool if you take away knowledge you're not just you're taking away another tool in a person's toolbox and it's it's so frustrating. Just let people have the risk. Let them be responsible. And now switching up a little bit, I understand because I eventually want my own company. I want my own products. And I understand the need and want to protect your patents and your rights and your source code. So there is some middle ground. But like we said in the beginning, I think Nick mentioned, like if I really wanted to reverse engineer it, I would just buy one and be able to do it. It's not the common person, the Jane Doe and John Doe aren't trying to reverse engineer a product to make a competition product. They're just trying to fix their tractor, their, their, their cell phone, their laptop. So if they're not trying to compete with said company, I don't understand how it would affect the company's patent rights. Now, I understand protecting some security secrets, like maybe don't make all the code uh, available. Maybe make majority of the code, code available, but make some of the source code hidden. I can, I can see that. That'd be a compromise I'd be okay with. But if you're telling me I can't repair a battery or a camera lens or the screen on my phone and I have to take it to a quote-unquote certified place, it... It just doesn't make sense to me. A, Nick, what's your opinion on that? And B, what compromises or what structure would you like to have in place for the Right to Repair Act? Because I, I see that it can't just be a fair free-for-all game. It has You have to protect both the 
individual consumer and the company slash inventor? Yeah, you know, I think an important thing is we kind of, you know, we got to get rid of the protection where everyone is protected. But then I you want to make it where foster an environment where the company who does say you're allowed to protect 50 percent of your source code or you can re- you are allowed to really you have to release 50 percent of your diagnostics or something like that but you can release more and so those companies that do release more and those companies that do allow you to repair your product those become superior goods and people are encouraged to buy them because of the openness of those companies so I think there's a little bit of government involvement there, which is your best case scenario, you minimize government involvement, and then you let people choose where they want their money to be spent, and people will probably choose the ones where they can fix it themselves. So I can tell you, if you put, imagine your freaking phone had four bolts on the back of it, you unscrewed those, put a new battery in there, and then you didn't have to buy a new phone, I guarantee you most people would do that. I was looking it up. My iPhone was released in 2013. That's when I graduated high school. Okay? That is an old phone. The only thing bad with it is the battery and the fact that all the software is being phased out. But that's another issue. But the battery is a pain. If I could just replace that battery, I wouldn't have such an issue. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Me and Nick both want to protect people's patents, pet protect people's intellectual property but there's that's why we said like like i said they only have to release half of it release the stuff at least the average american can work on maybe just the battery and the screen those things that are likely to break just let those guys fix those things that i guarantee what do you think out of all the people the issues people have with their cell phones i'd say 90 percent of those are battery screen and camera what do you think oh completely agree i would say it's even higher than 90 percent. like i think nikki brought up a good point with not releasing all the source code like maybe just bring up the source code that is directly affected by say dropping it or source code of common appliances on your phone so you're not releasing the like you know how a phone upstarts and restarts and prioritizes what apps being used etc etc but you can you release the software that is hey uh if you're having an error with your phone constantly closing even though you're not closing something it'd be in this box so you're not releasing everything but just sections of it that would fix stuff and nick i think you're so right it's just you know camera lens speaker battery the screen just common issues like even the yeah. charging port. Charging port. The case. I know uh, a man, I think, got arrested for having a market of changing cases out. So you could change the black iPhone to the white iPhone case. Which, I don't know if... I might be mistaken on that story, but if that's true, it's ridiculous. You're changing the case of a phone you own. That is... I'm dumbfounded. I don't have words to describe how I feel about that. That would be if you had a white car and you took it into the shop and they turned it into a gray car and then you got pulled over and taken to jail. (laughs) This just doesn't make any sense. And I mean, like I said, thank God for like websites like iFixit, which I highly, I, I will promote them. I think they're, 
when I was uh, researching it, their CEO or founder uh, said a very interesting thing that he goes, it's like being in the matrix where every corner you turn, there's another agent, another lobbyist trying to stop you. And I think he hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I like that. It, it, it kind of feels like the Matrix where they're trying to control you. And like I was trying to say before, like me and Nick both will are strong opponents of pan protection, intellectual property, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a middle ground. You can We can find a compromise. We can find it. Again, I'm taking a quote out of Nick's book, book, at a book but there's got to be smarter people than me to come up with a solution for that of hey what we can't allow and what we can't allow but the right of repair act should and almost needs to go through where people can just fix what they want like i i didn't research it much but i know the right to repair act affects refrigerators like there's some refrigerators you with they don't have diagrams or the proper tools or they don't have parts that you can get from a third party. It's a refrigerator. When this affects the temperature of my beer, we have reached an issue. (laughs) Something needs to be done. (laughs) They can, they can destroy your truck. They can, (laughs) they can, they can destroy your cell phone. When they touch your cold beer, you have a problem. (laughs) It's time to rise up Americans. We've had enough. (laughs) But fuck you, Steve jobs. Oh, See, I, it's it just hurts my head to think. It, it's like we're almost being a child. We're almost like in four, a Fahrenheit 451 where just ha- the, only a few are allowed to have the knowledge and the rest are not, and I don't like it. I, I mean, to, it almost feels more like Atlas Shrugged than it does, sorry, for, for Fahrenheit 451 where it's for the good of the common people when it's really just good for the it's, – it's just not – Anytime someone says it's good for the it's good for the people, it's usually not good for the people. But it is good for them, and they're paying us buku bucks to say that, right, Mike? Oh God! Oh God! Uh, right, Are I, we not getting paid for this? <laughs> we're spending money to make this. We're not getting a we're not getting a nickel. God, I get so confused sometimes. <laughs> but like uh, again, even even in the city, like yes, I think rural areas are affected the most because they're not at near as things and like nick said most things closed by seven by him i have a 24-hour one that's ridiculous even in the city if my car broke down i don't think there's a 24-hour mechanic shop if uh if like cell phones like driving around i don't think i've seen the third party cell phone place i think it's always been the the store, the name brand store of the cell phone you bought or the competitors, not a third party. And that third party creates, I don't want to give the third party advantage. I just want to make it a fair fight. I want to make it a fair fight for the third party and the company the that made it for at least parts. Like your phone shouldn't shut off because you added a different battery or a different camera lens to your phone. It doesn't make sense to me. Now, if the parts aren't compatible, that makes sense to me why the phone won't work. But it shouldn't be a code built in to turn off your phone when you added a third-party component to it. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and like we said, you know, we don't think that we everyone should release everything because people need to protect 
their patents, their work. But if you if we start the ball rolling with something that says like you have to release something relate related to your battery or something like that, that just everyday America is going to change. And it'll start the ball rolling in the court of whoever wants to say, hey, we'll tell you how to do this. We'll let you fix this. And then suddenly you have one phone company that's different from the others because they're saying, hey, you can just upgrade all your stuff. We'll tell you how to do it. We'll give you the parts. All you got to do, just order them. We'll send it to you. Suddenly that phone company is going to have the advantage because say what you want, but Americans are pretty crafty people and it, People can smell bullshit, and if some company is saying, well, you just buy this whole new phone, and this other company is saying, hey, just use your phone from last year, just put this new camera in it that we made, I think everyone's just going to put the new camera in it. And if they don't want to do that, they'll pay someone to put that new camera in it. And at the end of the day, what do you have? You have your same phone, same contact, same, all the pictures on it. You don't have to go through the whole thing of transferring all your stuff, and you're not throwing a whole other phone in the landfill. I mean, it's, it seems like a win-win to me. Maybe I'm missing something. Uh, I, if you're missing something, I'm missing the same thing because it, like, right now there are more than 20 U.S. states trying to approve the Right to Repair Act legislation. And other countries are taking the initiative. Like, the European Union just passed a big one where it's pretty much allowing countries in the European Union the Right to Repair Act, where there are right to repair their pro- their products that they own just so it like they brought up to keep it out of the landfill to make it recyclable to to upgrade it themselves and i uh, like i don't like being behind on the technology or behind on the curve i don't think anyone likes to be the last person in a race and i i, I don't understand if other countries are doing it why can't we compete at p- fixing things or repairing things or innovating because i imagine like if you release the schematics of, say, a tractor or a schematics of a laptop, you can read the diagram. You could figure out, okay, this connects to here, this connects to here. Oh, I could use it to this way. Or I could fix this, this. Oh, okay, so it keeps turning on and off again. It's this wire right here. It's just a loose wire. Like, I I can't imagine, A, how many headaches that would save for people, how much money, like Nick said, how much how, keep it out of the landfill. But... You don't, again, like Nick said, you don't have to show everything, but just allow people to fix things. Like, don't take down their YouTube videos. Don't take down their websites. Don't take down their apps. And if you feel like a person's doing too much, like showing too much of the inner details, like reverse engineering it, because I'm going to let you in a little trade secret here. If, say, Microsoft wanted to reverse engineer an iPhone, Simply having a legislative law of saying, hey, uh, we don't have a right to repair act here is not really going to stop those big companies. Now, it, it just, I hate to burst your bubble like that. But just like the average consumer, they're not going to know what to do with that. And even if they did, they learn. They, they trust, like Nick said, they trust you more. They got to go to you because they know you can, you can get more parts from them. You can upgrade their equipment. And you're going to have a brand loyalty. It just seems like a win-win for a company as well as the consumer. I, it just, again, I keep saying it. It just doesn't make sense to me why we as Americans can't fix something that we bought and own. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is either. I know Americans, okay, so first off, I'm preface this with, what the hell, America? You're letting Europe beat you? <laughs> That's not how we play this game. Second, that's our one for the year. 
they'll have us in right to repair, but nothing, if we come across something where they beat us again in 2020, I'm going to be pissed. All right. <laughs> Second. Yeah, uh, I don't think it makes any sense. I think, you know, by hiding the technology from everyone else, I think time has proven again and again that there is no one smarter but also no one dumber than the average American. <laughs> Every, like, just from the time that this country is founded, um, most of the innovation in the world has come from this country. I don't know what it is besides the fact that we're better than everyone. That's a given. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But really, though, I mean, everything from uh, air conditioning to the vacuum to... Dishwasher. Uh, dishwasher to, yes, Mike getting onto the moon with humans before the Russians, like everything that's, we're pretty smart people for how dumb we are, you know, I and letting us work on our own shit isn't going to hinder us in any way, but we're, and we're not asking to see the inner workings. Most of us are just asking to change out our, like we said, literally my seven year old battery on my iPhone. That's all I want. Could you imagine not be able to change the batteries on your TV remote? You'd have to buy a whole new TV just to change the batteries on your TV remote. No, you'd have to go to the fucking dealership in fucking Eugene's a two-hour drive. Go to Eugene, talk to some guy for a fucking hour, and you and you forgot your serial number, so you have to look up your serial number. You got to call your buddy to go over to your house, look up your send you the text for your serial number, give it to them, and then they can program your remote to coordinate with that serial number. And then you drive back home to figure out it doesn't work. You got to drive back there and it's a whole fucking thing. No, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's one of those things where any other industry, it wouldn't be allowed. That just, that sounds like one of my worst days ever if I had to do that. Nick, did you actually have to do that one time? No, that's just the way, just, just from what I read about how you have to use, I was extrapolating it, that's not a situation I had. So a lot of times, part of the problem is these programs, they'll only allow a certain set of frequencies of new parts. So say you're replacing, like we said, your TV remote. Well, that TV's only supposed to take orders from a TV remote with the same code. Say you buy a third-party TV remote that isn't, uh, isn't coded to your TV, it could still connect to your TV, say it's on the same wavelength. So technically it's communicating to the TV, but there's an undercode in that that should be but isn't in your remote. So your TV won't recognize it because it's not the designer's remote, even though maybe it's better and it does more things, uses less power, whatever, but it won't work. So it could be the same way with any other TV, like like we said, that TV remote example. Yeah. And I want to bring a point. It's a little bit away from what we were talking about, but I think it's a very important part of the world right now, which is COVID. Right now, a lot of people can't go out. They have to stay home, social distancing. It just makes more sense like to lower the risks, just simply repair something at home. Why... Why have people's health at risk or help spread it or et cetera, et cetera, when you can just repair it at home when it's something so simple? It just seems like a, a win-win, especially in these weird times. And I don't understand why that's not more important to people. Hey, 
so my this is before cars had universal sensors like they point out like oh i have an ob2 sensor i see an error oh i don't have to go to a dealership and shake 30 people's hands and talk to people etc etc and oh i can just go out and check itself oh okay i just gotta replace an o2 sensor oh i'm not certified to do that because it's emissions that's fair i understand that that's different legality but oh i'm just having a vampire somewhere on my circuit which is draining all my electricity oh i can fix that that's easy luckily i had the tool and i could do it myself save myself a lot of money and like i said the only two hands you can trust are the ones at the end of your wrist and just doing the work and making know that you did the work right it makes you trust your equipment and tools and products far more. <laughs> I, I don't know how many times I say this. I don't understand how this is a debate that people should have the right to repair. And I know I'm very biased and very strong in this opinion, but I don't see the downfall, especially if we worked with the companies to help not only protect their protect their patents and source code, et cetera, et cetera. If we find a compromise, some gray area where no one's the bad guy we can it, it just it's possible we just have to work together and i i i'm still surprised that so many americans don't know about it or so many big companies are lobbying against it yeah well i think part of the problem is is no one wants to talk about it because especially right now there's so much going on that it's seen as like uh not helpful to whatever else is going on which we're not going to talk about but um, one of the problems that I see is that people don't want the conversation to move forward because if we then become responsible, then it's going to seem like the, these people who rely on for our phones aren't going to give us these certain things. So it's almost like we're being held hostage in some ways, it seems like. I don't know. That's just it's one of the I do want to say before we keep going, which we'll get back to it. I do want to talk about the point of view from the anti-right to repair so that the, the people saying that we sh he, um, people shouldn't have the right to work on equipment or phones that they buy. I've heard a lot of arguments. One of them, you know, like we talked about previously, is that it's protected because it's their source code, which completely agree. That's We're not try asking to steal anyone's work. My favorite was it will explode if someone untrained works on it. And actually, that was pretty much it. That was my favorite. I like that one. Like, uh, th they were talking about replacing a starter. If you do it wrong, that your car will explode on a boat or a car. It basically, I've ran into this a few times, that people are saying that normal Americans are so stupid that if they don't, that if they don't take their equipment to a certified mechanic, ele electrician, or whatever repairman it may be, that they're vehicle equipment whatever it is will explode on them wait run that back you replacing the starter will have a car now look i like we mentioned previously i am not smart and i have in fact accidentally drained transmission fluid when i should have drained oil i was in a bet to see if i could do it within a certain time frame and it was the first time on the vehicle and i got in there and then i was like oh shit that's not oil. Anyway, I definitely lost the bet. No, Nick. Uh, well, it took me, I was about 45 minutes from the 10 minutes I said I could do it in. And 
Detransmission fluid <laughs> needed to be changed anyway. And a lot of time, I, just I didn't imagine. didn't actually want to do it that day. But the more important part is my car never exploded, and I was smart enough to realize, oh, well, that's red. That's definitely not, uh, <laughs> it's not fucking oil. So. I think you used the perfect word. The companies are holding us hostage. That hostage. It just seems like they're trying to nickel and dime us. They're trying to get every penny. Just trying to make sure that they monopolize the repair, which isn't right to me. I'm all for for a company being successful, strong. Hell, I want to be, I joke saying I want to, well, I don't really joke, that I want to be king of the world. And I want a company that my name to last in the eons and have a successful company build lots of inventions and products but it i'm not going to sell my soul to make an extra dollar a year it it doesn't make sense to me and i have no idea how any of those lawyers say a straight face when in courts doing the legality of the right to repair act keep a straight face because i think nick brought up a good point uh this used to be a civil suit not a legislative suit. So if I was a company and I think you infringed on my product, trying to steal my product, I would take you to civil court. But with not having the Right to Repair Act, it's now turned into a legal uh, base of me, of someone possibly going to jail. And that doesn't make sense to me. That seems like it should still be civil. But I I could be crazy. Who who knows? Yeah, I don't know. However, if uh, if say any other company like Apple is looking for someone who wants to spout bullshit, I'm right here. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I don't know what uh, what the deal is. Why? I, I honestly, I I I know we we touch on this, Mike, but maybe we're just so biased. But it, it almost seems like they should like we don't. I don't understand where they're coming from. Like I get that. Say you need the certain tools say for like a tractor to work on it or or the software rights and maybe you have to pay for that every year but if people are willing to pay however much a year say for a tractor or something where you have to pay, like it's a new software update every year and i you know i, I know from a, a buddy that they have to pay a certain amount every year for the dealership has to pay a certain amount every year per license per their uh repairmen to work on other people's tractors what what's to stop from a private person paying for the right to call themselves a, a dealership and doing it for themselves now granted they'd have to pay and, it, and it's a good amount of money and it's i'm not going to disclose it i don't want to give away the person but it's a good amount of money that maybe not every you know operator has the cash is sitting around and so they go to the repairman but what why why do we have to do that why can't we say hey anybody not just the dealer who sells our equipment maybe a third party like we talked about can pay for that and do that because what i think would be possibly beneficial is the third party repair group that kind of moves north with the harvest of certain crops because everything's legislated by climate it's going to move you know, with the climate, so they can kind of stay in the area and continue moving north as a seasonal job and 
provide backup for these local mechanics when at the time when everyone needs mechanics i don't know it just i just all i'm trying to say is i understand why there are protections like we talked about but at the same time we do need abilities for third parties private owners to work on their own machines i get that so you just opened a whole can of worms one i want to say I'm half expecting my phone not to work tomorrow morning. Like, I don't know why. I, I just uh, just feel like company products are listening to me and they're going to want to shut off my stuff. I kid, I kid. But I want to bring up a point of not, of one, you said the individual pay for, you know, the same amount of a third party. Well, that might be a bit on the expensive side because I know, like, say SolidWorks. SolidWorks is a 3D CAD software so computer aided drawing software for designing engineering parts etc uh, and mechanical parts etc etc and it's licensed out so every year you have to pay a fee but if someone's not using it like that much or say someone just has one broken phone instead of paying for a whole third part like third party deal for the schematics and software and tools they can, you know, for they can have a 24-hour access to the website to fix their problem. Now, granted, it might lead to black market, it might lead to people stealing uh, the schematics and selling those schematics, but it seems a little bit more reasonable, and the people who are honest are, you know, helping pay for that company's stuff, but the main can of worms I want to talk about is not all third parties are created equal. Uh, I hate to pick on Apple again, but Apple came up a lot in the against Right to Repair Act and reason for why we shouldn't have the Right to Repair Act. So settle in. Um, that being is some third parties are only allowed to be certified thir- third parties to repair said equipment if they sell enough and move enough merchandise. So say your phone breaks, Nick, and you bring it to a shop, a third dealer shop that is quote-unquote certified, they may tell you it's broken and you only need a $50 part, but sell you, but tell you it's completely broken. You have to pay for something that's almost the cost of a new phone. And the reason they might do that is because they have to, in order to say certified, they have to move, say... $20,000 worth of equipment or products of that said product within a quarter. So it could be pretty much a scam in order to be a certified third party. That's why I'm a big component of Retro Repair Act. It should be open source so stuff like that doesn't happen. Where you don't have to be in the pockets of the company that you're repairing for to be a quote-unquote certified repair person. You don't have to sell their products in order to rank a business. You can just repair whatever comes through their door. And that, that just seems like a scam and pretty dirty to me. What does that feel about to you, Nick, about having to sell the product that you're trying to repair in order to stay certified? Um. Yeah, so let's not uh, pick on a single company, but I'm going to tear the shit out of Apple right here. Um, so, you know, I don't think like we talked about, like talking about your, your point is, uh, yeah, it's shady that they have to sell a certain amount of product that that shouldn't be the thing. It should just be 
you know, I repair, I, I repair cell phones and then people review, he repairs cell phones. Well, you get good reviews. That's the business. I don't, I don't know what's so complicated about that. I don't know why you have to sell a certain amount of product. Apple, um, obviously not a green company. You know, they, if you Google Apple environment, a lot of great things pop up that they paid for. But let's just think about this logically here. Apple doesn't allow you to replace their batteries. Don't allow you to replace anything. So what are they trying to get you to do? Replace your phone. Why? Well, it makes more money for them. What if you just changed your battery and your camera? The only really two things 90% of Americans care about in your phone is how long it lasts and how good your pictures are. What if you were allowed to have an iPhone 5 that lasted all day and took good pictures? You could probably do that if they didn't protect it as much. And we're not going to get into this, in, into this podcast, but I just want to say buying carbon credits is bullshit. And just because you put a certain amount of money towards some bullshit charity doesn't mean you care about the environment. All right, I'm going to stop dishing Apple or any other top company I could have been talking about or couldn't have been talking about not related to Apple products at, at all. <laughs> yeah. It's not just Apple. It's it's all of them. Microsoft, Android, they're all somewhat doing it. But to kind of show the people in the United States, so right now, all across the state, at a state level, the right to repair bill is being introduced. And it's been talked about going to a federal level, which I'm actually support of right now. But right now, the states that don't have any right to repair act or hasn't been introduced is Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Delaware, North and South Carolina, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Texas, what the fuck are you doing? Step your goddamn game up. Alaska, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and Wyoming. Yeah, we expected Florida. And no, actually, I didn't expect. I, I really thought Texas, Alaska, and Florida, and Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio would all, actually pretty much all the states I just named, I, I suspected they would have right to repair at yeah. pretty much. Alaska's not the country you thought it was, or state, I guess. I still prefer to think of it as his own country, but it's <laughs> I mean, bullshit it's anyway. It's, anyway. I, I mean, it just seems like a lot of these countries, uh, not, well, these countries, a lot of these states I just named. These United <laughs> States? <laughs> well, I'm in Texas. We are our own country. Uh a lot of these states are a lot of go-getters, like Wisconsin, Michigan, Utah, Alaska, Texas, Florida, Carolinas, Ohio. A lot of industry states. Like, I'm so very pretty bold of you to uh, put Ohio in there. There's a lot of factories there. It's it's a bit of, it's pretty industrial. I know. I just I love to pick on the Midwest. Ah, okay. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Mine's uh, Kansas because of all the tornadoes, but. If you're in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, how do you, I mean, it's going to take, what, three weeks to send your phone to the lower 48 to get it repaired? That doesn't make sense. And Texas, come on, step your game. Who's, no one should tell you what you can and can't do in Texas. And it sounds like the- You can't mess with Texas <laughs> unless you're a big tech corporation. Oh, uh, it, it seems like that. And Florida, come on. You're supposed to be the crazy hold my beer state. 
You're supposed to be. No the- one messes with Florida. <laughs> like literally, not even big tech messes with Florida. What the fuck? Yeah, it seems a lot of people are dropping the ball. And to all those listening, I highly support that you write your senator. There are tons of websites you can email up, uh, send an email to saying, "Hey, I support Rights to Repair Act," or donate to to get those acts initiated or just bring legislation up or there are tons of different ways not even financial or writing there's tons of ways to support the rights repair act and i'm a strong advocate for it i've said it i might be biased on that even though i want to have a empire of a company eventually uh with my own name on the on the billboard but it just seems like some an individual should have the right to fix their own property it just to me, that just makes sense. So, I'm a strong component for it, Nick. I uh, imagine you're a strong component for it. Oh, I'm. You know, every, everything we talk about at the end of the day, what I think back to is, let's see, it's 2020. So shoot, maybe five years ago, I graded a road with a 73 cat dozer pulled a 1901 John Deere road grader. I'm gonna say that again for those of you in the back. 1901 that's 119 years ago equipment was made 119 years ago that works today with minor repairs we can't use equipment made fuck 20 years ago am i wrong i'm am i missing something they don't make it like they used to i guarantee you that road grader is still fine today it yeah it doesn't include it doesn't have freaking hydraulics it takes muscle and it's it's not fun but it is fun you know it you actually have to pull every lever and push every lever and use your muscle to get it to work but man 1901 do you know how many roads that thing graded and we're going to talk about sustainability in 2020 making products that last three years shut the fuck up get out of here (laughs) To, to bring it a little bit more closer to people who were alive when their machine was made, uh, it was a little bit for me next time, but to maybe the older crowd, I imagine you got to remember just having a toolbox in the back of your vehicle or truck, and if something breaks, you could just fix it with a simple toolbox. Now, things have definitely gotten more efficient, more luxurious with technology as we go on so shouldn't you still have the access to the tools to fix that equipment granted the tools might be a little bit more weird a little bit more complex but you should still have the tools to fix it and nick i am jealous i did not get to see that hundred year old plus machinery a i love machinery and b God, it must have been a glorious sight to see that thing in action. I'll uh, put it up on our Instagram, Backyard Philosophy Podcast. And and send me a picture because I don't have social media. Yeah, you fucking nerd. (laughs) (laughs) But just to kind of wrap everything up and bring it to people's attention, like I said, majority of the people in the United States don't know about the Rights to Repair Act. The world is starting to make Right to Repair Act a thing. The European Union is passing laws upon it. We are a bit slow on the game. And there is, again, dozens of ways you can help if you, A, just want to learn about it. Highly encourage you. Don't, don't just listen to us. Do your own research. I highly recommend knowledge is power. 
There are tons of websites. Hell, just even on YouTube. Just go do a quick Google, quick search, quick Bing or Firefox if you still use those. And just do the research. And if you like it and you agree with it, you can help support. And it doesn't just help you. It helps everyone. And Nick, do you have any final words? All I want to say is, like we said previously, we're idiots. We're just trying to bring attention to these issues, bring up some points. We encourage you to do your own research, figure out what you believe. We're not, we don't want to push you one way or the other. We just want to draw attention to these points. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm trying to push you towards the Right to Repair Act. I'm definitely coming in here biased. All right. I mean, I think, yeah, this is one that we both kind of agree on. But either way, look into it, figure it out. You know, I, if you're listening to this podcast, odds are you're probably going to agree with us. But if you don't, whatever, shoot us a message. Let us know why you think we're wrong. I'd love to hear it. And where can they shoot you a message, Nick? Uh, Instagram on Backyard Philosophy Podcast and Facebook Backyard Philosophy Podcast. And as always, our podcast will be on every major podcast platform and on YouTube. We put our sources in the description in YouTube. And feel free to leave comments, likes, and... If you want to hit us up, like Nick said, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. And we don't Twitter. Twitter's a dumpster fire. <laughs> I think on that note, it's a good, uh, good dumpster fire to end on. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.